It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons Flyover. With John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back in the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It is the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out with you till 10 o'clock tonight, and then we'll hand it off to Atlanta United Soccer. Uh, 404-741-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of of the show. The Odyssey app is how you uh, catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at 929thegame on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Follow us at JMCH316 and at the D. Lewis for real. This year, I look at, look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. Bad news for the Atlanta Falcons as it looks like Avery Williams is set to miss the season after tearing his ACL. So our buddy Mike Rothstein, who we just talked to last night, had the story about Falcons punt returner, running back, all-purpose guy, Avery Williams, will probably be done for the year after tearing an ACL during the team's open uh, OTAs last Friday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Arthur said uh, earlier today. Quote, um, it's a good sign that Williams will have surgery Thursday, less than a week after the injury. We love Avery. He's got the right mindset and fully expect him to Come back ready to roll. Well, I will tell you this. Cordero Patterson is not going anywhere now because you don't necessarily have a dynamic returner. Um, I I would not be surprised if they use Cordero Patterson as their main returner, right? Mike Hughes, D. Alford, Josh Ali, Penny Hart. Those are all punt return guys, but why not use Again, if he's not going to be here next year, why not use Cordero Patterson? Why not? If he's not going to be here next year and he's in his last year, why not use him? Again, you can use one of those other guys later on if he gets hurt. So, I don't know. Um, Yeah, we'll see. But I'm not excited about some of the guys. I like Avery Williams a lot. I like him him a lot. And I think he's a good punt returner and kick returner. But... Why not use Cordero Patterson? Let's see him get a, a whole bunch. All right, uh, Day Day, I ask you a question. You know how we're going through these positional rankings from Pro Football Focus, right? Yep. Okay. Top 32 edge rushers. Let me repeat. Top 32 edge rushers in the NFL ahead of the 2023 season. How many Falcons made the list? Ooh, edge rushers? I'm gonna say none. Yeah, yeah, that's that would be that would be correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 it wasn't a trick question. Right, yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, let me ask you another question. Here's the six guys they have in tier one. Mm-hmm. Okay, Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons, Nick Bosa, T.J. Watt, Max Crosby, Joey Bosa. It's a pretty good six, right? Yeah, that's a nice okay. six. What do five of those six players have in common? Was it Bosa? Garrett, Parsons, Bosa, Watt, Crosby, Bosa. What do five of those six players have in common? Uh, defensive player of the year honors? No. Oh, draft. Oh, what round? <laughs> draft, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Max Crosby, you know where he was drafted? What round? No. Fourth. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
The next tier, tier two. Mm-hmm. Okay, ready? Yep. Hassan Reddick, Rashawn Gary, Trey Hendrickson, Vaughn Miller, Daniel Hunter, and Brian Burns. What do what do four of those six players have in common? Drafting. R- round. Where? Uh, Where? Were they second round? Where? Second round? Where? First round. Where? Von Miller wasn't drafted in the second round. Oh, you round. said who? who oh. Four of the six players in the second tier of players. First round. Yes. Yeah. The only two guys. Only actually. two guys were Trey Hendrickson, who's a great player, and uh, Daniel Hunter. Those guys were drafted in the third round. So let's see. Hmm. This is now again. This is random happenstance, pure coincidence. Nothing to see here. This this isn't any kind of narrative or anything like that. So what Pro Football Focus has as the twelve best pass rushers in the NFL. Okay, let me get my calculator out here. Quick math here. Okay. So nine of the twelve were drafted in the first round. Now, what is 12 minus 9? <laughs> 3. Nine of 12 were in the third in the set in the first round. Two of the 12 were in the third round. One was in the fourth round. Nine in the first, two in the second, one in the fourth. Sorry, two. Sorry, let me let me start over. Nine in the first, two in the third. One in the fourth. What does nine plus two plus one equal? Nine plus one plus two equals 12. Okay. So how many of those guys did I say were drafted in the second round? Uh, you said uh, nine of the 12, 12 in the first. Nine of two the 12, of the 12 two in, of the in the third. One yeah. of the 12 in the fourth. Yeah. How many second rounders did I say? None. Huh. Okay. Now, what is nine out of 12? As far as what percentage? Or? Yep, percentage. Ooh, what is that? Say 75%. Oh, 75%. Oh, oh, oh. And so when I broke down the top 25 pass rushers as uh, career sack leaders in the NFL, 70% came from the first round. So on Pro Football Focus's list of the 12 top pass rushers in the NFL, nine of them come from the first round. But but again, day day. Listen, make sure we understand. Mm-hmm. Nothing to see here. It's just all. <laughs> it's just pure luck of the draw, random happenstance. You can draft all kinds of guys in the second and third round that are top tier pass rushers, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you can't. Oh, oh. <laughs> hmm. So nine of the twelve came from the first one. You, you, you see that these things are just not coincidental. There, there is a philosophy to this. There is a way to go in and draft guys at certain positions. And they were drafted all over the board in the first round. Uh, T, hey, T.J. Watt, was he the first overall pick in the draft? Say no. No. Okay. Was he picked like 26th or 27th or 28th? Say yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Was Micah Parsons the first player drafted? No. No. 
Was, was Micah Parsons available to be drafted fourth in the NFL? Say yes. Yes, he was. Oh, really? So who picked fourth that year in 2020? The Falcons. Falcons. Oh. Did we draft Micah Parsons? No. Oh. <sighs> Falcons did sign a player today. They signed another defensive lineman, uh, Carlos Davis. Six foot two. 320 pounds. He's a mountain of a man. Here's the problem, though. He's played 12 games in, in three years. He played seven games his rookie year uh, in 2020, in the pandemic year. He played four games in 2021, and he played, ready, drum roll please, one game last year. And I saw people saying, well, you know, he's another good player on a good defensive line. What? He's played 12 games. And he hasn't started a game in his NFL career. He's got one sack in three years. He's big. Big guy. <sighs> Did I tell you that nine of the 12 top pass rushers on Pro Football Focus's list, where where were they drafted? What First round? round? Huh? First round. Really? Well, that's got to be a fluky thing got to be a luck of the draw kind of thing, right? It's a fluky thing. <sighs> Bud Dupree talking about how he's feeling pretty good uh, right now. Uh, quote, I'm as confident as ever, man, and I'm just trying to ball. Uh, I want to put forth the best version of my game to have my best season this year, but I'm not doing that for me personally. My individual goals, I've put them all behind me. Now I'm just here for the team to put my best foot forward and help this team win. Uh, listen, I'm all about it, man. I'm all about it. And, you know, as we said, this will probably be a pass rush by committee in some ways, right? Now, Dupree, you know, he peaked out when he was in Pittsburgh. 2019 had 11 and a half sacks. 2020 in the pandemic year had another eight. So he had 19 and a half in a two-year stretch. Only seven the last two years combined. Had three in 2021. That was a career low. And then the four that he had last year was the lowest total uh, other than his uh, other than the, the previous year. That was his lowest total since his rookie year. And you heard D-Led. We had him on about a week or two ago talking about the idea of he may not be here. He may be one of those cap, you know, not cap casualties, but cut casualties when all is said and done. I hope he, listen, I hope he balls out. Hope he shows, you know, up and presses and all that good kind of stuff. I want him to be really good. But, um, you know, again, I don't know, I don't know what's what's going to happen with it. Hopefully he can get back to form, right? He only played 11 games the last three years combined. 11 last year with 11 starts, 11 games in 2021 with only six starts. And then 11 games in the pandemic year with 11 starts. So he's played 33 games in the last three years. And he's had, what, 28 starts in those 33 games. So hopefully he can get back to form. Hopefully he can be a disruptor. And again, if you told me that, if you told me that Bud Dupree would get me five or six sacks, I'd take that, to be honest with you. I'd take that. You know, it's a far cry from 11 and a half and such, but I would take five sacks out of Bud Dupree. If I could have five, five-and-a-half sacks out of Bud Dupree, 
and, and I try to combine it and I try to figure out my math to get to 38, okay, I, I can live with that. I, I, I can I can I can live with five, five and a half sacks out of Bud Dupree. That is assuming that I get eight or ten out of Ebba Katie and you know I get three or four out of um, uh, Lorenzo Carter and Kate Nellis gives me five or six. Like, okay, then we got something cooking. Now now we're starting to cook with some grease. Again, 38, that's that magic number. I know, I know, that's a random happenstance coincidental number that I just made up off the top of my head without doing research, without looking over the last decade or so of stats, without pouring over what the trends are in the NFL. I know, I know, random coincidental coincidental happenstance is what all of that is. All right, when uh, we come back, uh, we'll talk to John Heyman, our Odyssey MLB insider, and uh, get his thoughts about the Braves, um, among other topics. Uh, some good discussion with uh, with John Heyman, as always. So, Chuck, we're hanging out in the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and on the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. It is a John Chuckery show coming to you live on this Wednesday evening as uh, Braves and Mets get ready for game number two. Some good pitching matchups. Braves obviously with a big come-from-behind victory last night and continue to increase their lead over the Mets and Phillies and everybody else involved. Let's head out to the waitfor.com hotline. Let's talk to our friend of the show. We're joined by Odyssey MLB insider John Heyman, host of the original uh, podcast Big Time Baseball with Tony Gwynn Jr., covering all things Major League Baseball. And, of course, you can follow him on Twitter, at John Heyman, and he does spell John the correct way. John, as always, buddy, appreciate a few minutes uh, here in Atlanta this evening. Happy to be with you, John. How you doing? We are great. And, uh, look, the Braves are doing great right now. You know, the, the question I have for you is this has been pretty remarkable, the fact that the Braves, and I know how talented they are, but they only have three regular starting pitchers. Right now, everybody else is either, you know, guys that are coming out of bullpens or they're a mix, mix and match of, of starters and things like that. Do you think that they can keep this pace with just a three man rotation or is some point it's going to catch up to the Braves at all? Well, maybe at some point, for, but for the foreseeable future in this division, I mean, right now. Uh, Miami is the only other team over 500 in this division uh, Philadelphia and the Mets are really abject disappointments to this point. 
Uh, the Braves have a terrific starting lineup. The Murphy deal was great. Obviously, Riley is a star. Albies is a star. I think to this point, Acuna is probably the MVP. I would say Freeman is the only guy close. And, of course, you guys are familiar with Freeman. Mm-hmm. But uh, they have a terrific lineup, and uh, I think they have enough to get by, certainly uh, for the next few weeks. Um, and we do expect that Freed should be back in uh, maybe a month or so. So uh, that will be a big acquisition for them. You know, John, it, it does feel like that if you look at the Braves' schedule coming up for, for pretty much most of this month, Colorado, Washington, those are last-place teams. I mean, the Tigers are nothing special. Um, they have a lot of games against some bad baseball teams, and then they sprinkle in you know, the Mets in this series and then Philadelphia a little bit later this month. It feels like that if the Mets and Phillies don't get something together pretty quickly and the Braves have a pretty easy schedule in June – like this division could balloon and it could start to really get away from both New York and Philadelphia. Well, thank you for not counting the Mets as one of those bad teams. Uh, <laughs> really, Philadelphia, too. I mean, they have been no great shakes to this point. Uh, we thought that with the Mets when they had 13 games coming up against bad teams, if I remember correctly. It was Reds, Rockies, Nats, and Tigers, and they went 4-9. and nine. I trust that the Braves are going to do much better than that. I think they do a good job of taking care of business. And, yeah, I mean, they can blow uh, the field away if they perform well against these teams they should be. The Braves have been a great second-half team in recent years, and uh, now finally they've got a bit of a lead already in early June. And, uh, you know, I think the Mets and the Phillies uh, better watch out because uh, the lead could get uh, very, very large in a hurry. Odyssey MLB insider John Heyman joining us here on the WaitFord.com hotline. Do you think that the Braves have the deepest lineup in baseball? I mean, top to bottom, when you look at all nine guys, it doesn't seem like that there are any weak spots. Even a guy like Michael Harris, who's struggling right now, but obviously he was the rookie of the year last year. Are they the deepest lineup in baseball? You know, I thought going in that perhaps the Phillies did, but that is not proving to be the case to this point. Obviously, Trey Turner has not performed like himself. Schwarber has not been particularly good. Real Muto has only been average to this point. But, uh, you know, I thought that's where the Phillies might have had an edge would be in the lineup. But uh, right now the Braves are outperforming the Phillies and just about everybody in terms of the offense. And Riley really has not gotten going yet. I mean, Acuna has been – fantastic to this point and uh you know there's real room for improvement you mentioned harris and i will tell you riley i think uh you know his ops is right around 800 at this point i I think he is better than that so uh, they they could be even better than they've shown to this point if the mets phillies and let's throw the padres into that mix as well if they continue to flounder those teams have spent a gargantuan amount of money to make themselves better. Do you think they'll ride it out the whole year? Or do you think that at some point, if this gets away from all of those teams, whether it's in the West with Arizona and the Dodgers or with the Braves in the East, do you think at some point one of those teams may cut bait on some guys before the end of the year? Well, you never say never, but I think they're pretty much uh, well invested to this point and they're more likely to be buyers. And certainly the National League where – Right now, you've got Pittsburgh in the playoffs. You have Miami in the playoffs. You have Arizona in the playoffs. I mean, those teams that have uh, $200 million-plus payrolls 
have got to figure they still have a chance. Uh, it doesn't take a huge winning record at this point to be a playoff team in the National League. So I, I'm not seeing them as sellers. I don't even see St. Louis, which has been terrible and is in last place as a seller at this point. Uh, this market is going to be quite a seller's market. Whoever does decide to sell is going to get uh, – quite a stash if they're going to be able to trade a good player away so do you think even some of those teams like you know the cardinals the mets the phillies the padres do you think they could look to add if 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 they find themselves at least at least within striking distance of the dodgers or diamondbacks or braves do you think they could still be buyers at the deadline Oh, absolutely i think that's uh, going to be the issue with this trade deadline almost everybody's going to be a buyer there might be a few that stand bad, but, I mean, who is a, a definite seller in the National League? I mean, I would say the Rockies are a seller in the National League. Um, you know, I just don't see many sellers in the National League. And around baseball, there are some sellers. I, mean, I, I, think, the, I think the Nats will probably ultimately be a seller as well. But, I mean, many of these teams that are going to sell just don't have that much to sell because mostly because they're young, but also because they're bad. I mean, frankly, they're not very good. So uh, it could be a, a very, very strange trade deadline with very few sellers and maybe 20 or more buyers. Odyssey MLB insider John Heyman joining me here on the waitfor.com hotline. Let's bounce around the league a little bit. The Aaron Judge injury, just a fluky thing, or you know, could something have been done better to prevent that? Well, I think they're going to do something about that fence now. I mean, you know, I mean, some fences seem more dangerous to the, than that one. And I guess the ones that seem more dangerous, let's say, you know, Wrigley Field, where you got a little, you got a little moss growing on the brick, you know, mm -hmm. everybody knows to stay away from that. This one doesn't look that bad. And there are players that do crash into the fence at Dodger Stadium and Jason Bay suffered a much more devastating injury, a concussion, and he really was never the same player after that, after crashing into the fence in uh, Dodger Stadium. So, I mean, I think they are probably going to do something about it. You know, the warning track is what it is to warn guys, and uh, I do think that it's generally better not to have a concrete uh, wall or a brick wall back there. And, uh, you know, but I guess when you have a, just a regular fence. Guys are willing to crash into it and risk injury, and uh, fortunately that's what happened here with Aaron Judge. You know, John, you were talking about the idea of, you know, we, we were talking about buyers and sellers and things like that. Arizona, Miami, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. I mean, these are traditionally teams that are looking to just shed as much payroll as they can. But are those teams that are, you know, legitimately in the playoff hunt or in the playoffs – do you think they could be buyers? Can, can some of these untraditional teams suddenly find themselves in a buying position? Yep, those are all buyers, too. That's why it's going to be a tough trade market. I mean, we had uh, on the Post podcast, we had uh, Mike Hazen, the GM of the Diamondbacks, on, and he's, I mean, they were tied it for first when we had him on the podcast a day or two ago. And, you know, he made it clear they're a buyer and told us what they're looking for. So, you know, I, I do expect we're going to have a ton of buyers, very few sellers. I mean, and the sellers, as I said, what do they have to sell? You know, not much. You know, I guess those teams in the central would be the ones that are most obvious 
They don't look like World Series contenders, but they are certainly contenders for the division title. And if you win the division title, you, you get a buy in the first round, right? So it's uh, not a, a terrible situation to be in. So, you know, those potential pitchers who are pretty good in the central divisions like Burns and uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, Shane Bieber, um, they all may stay put. They all may stay where they are. I would say the mo- most likely among that group would probably be be Marcus Stroman, because right now the Cubs are not performing great at this point. I could see him being traded, and I, I think Bieber potentially. Uh, Cleveland is a team that's had enough success where they can sell to their fans, so to speak, uh, a potential sale. So I could see Bieber being traded as well. Those might be the two best players that are traded, and uh, we shall see. I mean, Otani certainly is the biggest name potentially to go, but I think that's a major, major long shot. So with Otani, because I'm fascinated by the Angels just from the standpoint of they have arguably, I don't know, two of the three or four best players in all of Major League Baseball. And I know what their woes are. I mean, they've never had the right pitcher and, and, you know, guys like Rendon have not performed. But, boy, when you have two cornerstone pieces, I mean, it's sort of like Gehrig and Ruth. I mean, when you have – two guys like that anchoring your team, heck, you can find enough guys to, to play. You can find, you know, uh, you know, outfielders and infielders to Mark Koenig and guys like that to play around Ruth and Gehrig, but they cannot figure out a way to win with two of the best players we've ever seen in this generation. Yeah, it's really perplexing. I thought they would do it this year, and they've been okay this year. Of course, every team in that West – Except for Oakland has a winning record. Partly that's because they get to play Oakland, which hardly ever wins. Although I think they did win the last two games. But, um, you know, I think they're going to try to go for it. Um, they have in the past. Uh, they did not trade Otani last year. Yeah, and baseball takes it takes a village. It does, you know, you can't usually win with two guys. And, you know, I wasn't around. I'm old, but I, I wasn't around for Ruth and Gary. But I will <laughs> assume they had a better a supporting cast than uh, Otani and Trout have had. And, uh, you know, there have been top-heavy teams that have won. Uh, the Washington Nationals, when they had uh, certainly had Rendon and Strasburg was a star and Scherzer, uh, they were able to win. And they had a pretty top-heavy team. But, uh, you know, in baseball, it takes more than one or two. It's not the NBA where you, you have two superstars, you can get to the finals. That's not the case in baseball, but you would think they would do better than they've done. I like the move they made in the winter. I like Urshela. I like uh, Renfro. I like Estevez, Matt Moore. They made some good moves. Uh, They should be better than they're showing. Last question for you, John. Um, You know, obviously we got the word Jacob deGrom, um, you know, is going to be out for the year. Another Tommy John surgery. I mean, he's getting paid more money than the federal government has right now. But at what point does he have to prioritize his health versus he's getting paid gazillions of dollars by, you know, again, he got paid by the Mets and then he's getting paid by the Rangers now. But at what point does it become, okay, a health thing? I mean, we saw Sandy Koufax walk away in 66 because of arthritis. I mean, is it a situation where this is going to force DeGrom's hand or is he just going to keep trying to come back and come back and come back? Well, I mean, most guys just keep trying to come back. Certainly when you've got a guarantee of $185 million, you're going to sure. try to uh, play it out. You're not probably going to retire. Uh, 
Sandy Koufax, while he was better than DeGrom, wasn't getting $185 million. And, you know, I mean, Sandy Koufax was an unusual guy, too. I mean, we don't know. We're never sure exactly what the pain level is for everybody, but uh, medical uh, information wasn't what it was uh, today. They didn't have Tommy John surgery with another Dodgers pitcher, Tommy John, who was the first guy to get the uh, Tommy John surgery, which is what we call it now. Um, so, I mean, I think the Grom's going to keep trying. It's going to be at least a year before he comes back now after the second Tommy John, but he'll keep trying. I mean, that contract, they understood it was a risk. They weren't expecting this, I'm sure, but, uh, you know, I mean, they, he's the best when he, when he's able to throw, but uh, the last couple of years, he averaged, I believe, 70, 78 innings, I think, a, a year, the last two years, and it, it's quite a risk to, 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 Sign him to that deal, but Texas took that risk and, uh, you know, unfortunately not paying off. They did sign Evaldi and made several other signings, semi in the year before, that looked very, very prescient. Right now, Evaldi's a Cy Young candidate. Uh, Semyon is an MVP candidate, and they are right now performing as well as anybody in the game. John Heyman is our Odyssey MLB insider and the host of the Odyssey original podcast, Big Time Baseball, with Tony Gwynn Jr., covering all things Major League Baseball and join me here on the WadeFord.com hotline. You can also follow him on his personal Twitter page at John Heyman. And John, as always, buddy, appreciate it, man. Thanks for a few minutes in Atlanta. Always good conversation with you, and we appreciate the time. Oh, great talking to you as always. You got it. John Chuckery will be back. Sports Radio 929 the game and the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9, The Game, back at a Chuckery Show, hanging out in the Key Studios. Going to go till 10 o'clock tonight, at which point we'll hand it off to Atlanta United soccer coverage. Pre-game at 10 o'clock, 10.30 kick in L.A. against LAFC. Jason Longshore and uh, Mike, uh, Mike Connie will have the call uh, coming up here at the 10 o'clock hour. Uh, Braves, 2-1. to one. Right now, they're down. Um, Alvarez is homered off of Charlie Morton. So, Morton four and a third with two hits, two runs, four walks. Oof. Uh, 93 pitches here in the third inning. Sorry, fourth inning. So, he's trying to get through five um, and hope that the Braves score a few runs in the bottom of the inning and can take the lead and maybe he can come out a winner. Scherzer's got six hits and a run. Hadn't walked anybody. Has struck out nine, so he's probably um, 
He's only at 65 pitches. I'm guessing he's going to probably make it through the fifth inning. If I had to just spitball a guess or whatever like that, he's probably going to make it that far. But, um, yeah, this will probably be it for Morton. I mean, he'll be over 100 pitches. So, um, and he's kind of, I don't want to say labored out there, but, you know, still a couple of hits, four walks in the game, only five strikeouts. So it's been a little bit unusual, but, you know, he's just – you know, he's just he's kind of getting through it. Sometimes you have those kinds of nights to it, but um, he's down two to one right now. So hopefully the Braves can rally and we can play our song uh, a little bit more here. So uh, again, Atlanta United coming up at the uh, ten o'clock hour. Um, they're in L.A. to take on L.A.F.C. and um, you know, as far as as far as L.A.F.C. where the point total uh, is right now. So. They are number three in the Western Conference with um, 25 points. Now, St. Louis is number one at 28. The Seattle Sounders are at 27, and LAFC is at 25. Compare that to the East. FC Cincinnati's at 39. Nashville's at 31. Philadelphia is at full doleful. Philadelphia is at uh, 30. And then New England, uh, 27, Columbus, and Atlanta United round out. Um, so they only have one more point than what the, um, what the uh, Atlanta United has. But how about this number? They are a plus 13 goal differential. So that is one. That's the second best, tied for the second best with Nashville in all of MLS. So... When they score, they score in bunches and they blow people out. And uh, they have lost, um, they have, uh, what, only one loss on their resume this year. They've had four draws, seven wins, but only one loss on their resume thus far this year. Atlanta United has four losses on their resume, and they're a plus four goal differential. So those are kind of some of the the numbers. Did you see where Lionel Messi is going to be uh, playing in Miami? Well, yeah, that too. Uh, again, even if, let me put it like this, even if he never made another dollar in his life, <laughs> right. he still has more money than the federal government, <laughs> right. right? He's got more money than God. So he's, um, you know, again, I, I hope he, he's going there to play with Joseph, you know, Martinez, obviously, you know, um, it would be interesting to hear why he's making this kind of move, right? You know, he was with that team in Saudi Arabia and remember, we had the story a couple weeks ago where what's 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 Bug and Chuckery where he had gotten in trouble mm-hmm. um, because he was leaving the team or whatever like that, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he finds his way out of um, um, whatever that team was. Right. Well, um, they tried to threaten him with his pay as, and and yeah. you you even said like the amount of money he's made and going to make. Yeah. Like... You, you know. You know what <laughs> that was like. Um, in the Godfather, right at the very beginning, when they're at the wedding, right, and Sonny Corleone comes over and he grabs that guy's camera, yeah. from the paper or whatever, and he takes it and he throws it down on the ground, yep, and he reaches in his pocket and throws out some cash at him, yep, like that. That would have been messy with, with the suspension, <laughs> right? Like you know, oh, well, you're not going to get paid, and he would just like pull out of you know some some money, uh, some crumpled up wadded money, right here, out here, of his pocket, here, yeah, buy just, another team, right, and just, and just throwing it, yeah, just throwing it at the feet of. Of the manager or the coach or whatever like that, yeah, that would have been uh, that would have been great. Um, but um, nonetheless, I mean, you know, I it used to be MLS. You know, day to the reputation for MLS. And by the way, here's 
Morton giving up another homer. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, two run. Yeah. Two. Um, another homer for uh, for Morton in this thing. So that's two homers already in less than five innings. He's laboring now. It's time to go get him. I mean, Snit, look. I know he's got two outs. It's time to go get him. He's laboring right now. Tommy Pham, homers, four hits, four runs, four walks, five strikeouts, two homers. He's up to 107 pitches. Yeah, there you go. All right. Good call. I mean, I know he wanted to get him through five. Okay, maybe that was a mistake. Wanted to get him through five, but you got to get him at this point. So, and I don't see who they're bringing in uh, just yet. So, but Morton's out. So, he didn't get through five. As of right now, he would be the loser, you know, because, well, let me put it this way. He, he, he's more likely to be the loser. He can't be the winner. He only pitched four and two-thirds, so he can't be the winner in the game. But anyway, um, but, yeah, just kind of laboring out there. And, again, this is two starts in the last, I believe, I believe it's two of the last three starts where he's given up multiple home runs. And that's not a good sign because that's what got him in trouble last year. That was what happened to him last year that got him in trouble with all of this. And so right now the Braves need all the starting pitching that they can get, right? I mean, they can't afford to have guys that are just kind of laboring out there. They've got to have quality starts out of the three main guys that they have right now. We'll keep you up to date all night long. All right, at least till 10 o'clock. I'm not going to stay any later than that, for God's sakes. I'm going home. All right, uh, let's get to something we call What's Bugging Chuck. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like, that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Rory McElroy spoke to reporters ahead of this week's RBC Canadian Open at Oakdale Golf and Country Club. And Rory was talking about the idea of he believes the Live Golf League is going away after this season. And I love this quote. Quote, I still hate live. Like, I hate live. I hope it goes away, and I would fully expect that it does. I think that's where the distinction here is. This is the PJ Tour, the DP World Tour, and the PIF very different from live. Now look, okay? What did I say? What did I say, Day Day, at the very top of the show? That when we played our song, what did I say about the mutts? Oh, that you hate them. Yeah. yeah. I do. Yeah. Can I tell you, there needs to be more hate in sports. <laughs> you know, everybody is feel good, get along, and all this other stuff, right? Everything is too PC. Metrosexual, everybody gets along. You know, it's like anything in life. Sports needs black hats and white hats, right? In wrestling, when you know who the bad guys are, we talk about the Iron Sheik, right? I was rooting for the U.S. Express. Barry Windham, Mike Rotunda, Lou Albano managing them, the red, white, and blue, the U.S. Express against those dastardly Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. You need to know who the bad guys are and who the good guys are. That's what makes sports and life entertaining. And you know what? There are bad guys and, and good guys. I'd like to think of myself as a bad guy myself. I hope I hope I'm a bad guy. But 
and, and I don't mean bad like, well, no, I, I could mean it any way that I want. Um, so we're bad guys or bad boys or whatever, um, you know. What is it? Good girls like bad boys? That's when that a line in the song? Uh, yeah, that's what they say. Yeah, good, good girls like bad boys. There was a line in the song or something like that, right? So that was a Will Smith movie done 47 times. Um, and they're filming another one, aren't they? Yeah, bad boys. Oh, yeah, yep. I'm nearly. Oh my God, how many more of these we got to go? What? What are they? What are they? What are they laughing at? Fast and Furious. <laughs> but I, I listen. I love it. Uh, we need more of this. Um. Rory continuing to speak about um, uh, about the. Um, let's see. Monahan would be the new CEO of the company uh, with the chairman. Um, Saying that, uh, and look, I've dealt with Jay a lot, talking about Jay Monahan, uh, a lot closer than a lot of guys here or have from where we were a couple of weeks ago to where we are today. I think the future of the PGA Tour looks brighter as a whole, as an entity. Well, okay. I mean, he's, he's given the company line. Um, but he said, talking about the golfers themselves, quote, there still has to be consequences to actions. The people that left the PGA Tour irreparably harmed this tour started litigation against it, like we can't just welcome them back in. That's not going to happen. Good. Good. I, I want to see Rory get in a fight. Can we get? Can we see Rory duke it out with somebody? No, but honestly, look, this is what makes sports great. There are good guys and bad guys. And you root for whatever side you want. You know, I promise you that there are people that are saying that, Oh well, Rory's just bitter. He's just you know he's you know he he doesn't hate anybody and and he's wrong for hating, okay? And then there's people like me that are applauding him. Good. I hope he hates them. I hope he I hope he sees some of those guys and says f you, right? What do we sing, Day Day? What do we sing around here? Which one? <laughs> the the. What are we sing at the top of the show? Oh, yeah, the F the Mets. Yeah, F the Mets. You don't think I don't mean that? F the Mets. Screw them. I hate them. Let's have more athletes that hate one another. You know what the worst thing is in the NBA? When you see teams that fight and scratch and claw and duke it out, mm -hmm. and then because everybody's got the same agent, all they do is huddle up together before the game and chit-chat and – Hug and kiss one another after the game. I'm, like, yeah. Like Bob Gibson even talked about. Look, I'll plunk somebody in the All Star game <laughs> if it if it lets my team win. Bob Gibson wouldn't have stood for all of that. Well, there's a. I got my theories on that on why they're what do you like say? that. Well, you know, if you think about it, um, AAU ball, like that is so big. These kids are playing together. They're they're so much more familiar with each other now. Huh? Um, compared to days of, you know, when Magic and Bird, Kareem, all those guys, they probably only heard about each other in headlines. Now these guys are, as soon as the, their their school seasons are over, they're joining teams together, and they do this for years and years and years. Yeah. So now it's it's a common thing now. Like, there is no, who is this Magic Johnson guy? Screw him. I He's not the best. I'm the, there is no more of that. Well, I okay, so... The first ever basketball show that we did here at the station was downstairs on the eighth floor, mm -hmm. okay? And it was hosted by, I believe it was, uh, the I think it was Mac McDonald, Sam Mitchell, 
and the first and uh, Dennis Scott and the first show yes. had Dominique Wilkins on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. and they asked Dominique about the dunk contest, and I always remember because I was I was literally five feet from Dominique mm-hmm. when he said this. That he said the problem is nobody wants to know who the best is anymore. Right. Nobody wants to know who the best is yeah. when it comes to dunk contest. Nobody wants to know who's the best because nobody can handle being second. No. But they, nobody wants to know who the best is. They want to praise each other. Right. That's right. It. Build each other up. Screw that. Yeah. I'm try I'm I'm taking a machete do and cutting the when, wings out of Yeah, from do that when you're retired. Yeah, I'm giving you I'm, <laughs> I'm giving you bloody stumps of ankles to start to walk on, right? <laughs> right. Like, come on, man. I mean, that's what we want. That's what makes sports great is the people you root against. Yeah. That's why we're so passionate. Not because of who we root for, but who we root against. Yeah. You and know, I, I again, I have my people I don't like. Dave Ortiz is a phony. Mm-hmm. You can tell me anything in the world. David Ortiz is a phony. He's a fake and a phony. And all of his Mr. Good Guy and Dunkin' Donuts commercials don't belie the fact that he was as big a steroid user as anybody on there. And at 38 years old... He's hitting 50 homers after he couldn't hit more than, what, 20 in a place called the Mm, Homer Dome. At 25 years old, (coughs) 23 years old, he couldn't hit more than 20 homers in the, quote, Homer Dome. Now at 40, he's hitting 50 homers. Right. Oh, but but no habla inglese. Screw him. And I and guess what? Screw Steak Shapiro for liking him. How about that? <laughs> you know, I told Steak, I said, he's a big phony. You can love him and all that stuff, but he's a big phony. Big fat phony is what he is. And you know what? I don't like steak now either. Now I don't like no. I'm not the meat. I love the meat. Now I don't like steak. <laughs> steak, you're on my hit list. Again, that's what makes sports great. You know, that's when we argue, you know, again, argue and pick your side and draw a line in the yeah. sand. I mean, and I know we got to go, but look, Magic Johnson and Isaiah Thomas, they were best friends for the most part. Uh-huh. Even they had a big old scuffle in a game. Right. Yeah. But you know what, though? Michael didn't like any of them. No, none of them. And, and that's what I love about Yeah. Him. That's that's one of the things I love about Michael. All right. Top of the hour. We're going to break down. If Day Day ever give me the clips, uh, we'll break down the interview that Dukes and Bell did with Arthur Smith. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app.